Hey there, Radiant Souls. It's your host, Gina Kunarian, bursting with excitement to welcome you back to Season 2 of the Shine Within Podcast. You've been with me through our incredible first season, and now it's time to crank up the intensity. You know me, your energetic cheerleader, a mom to three fabulous boys, an empowering certified massage therapist, and the game-changing alcohol-free sobriety coach. With my trademark enthusiasm, I'm here to uplift more motivated women to break free from the chains of alcohol dependency. And guess what? We're still defining the norms with our unique, non-traditional approach. Get ready to supercharge your transformation as I bring you an all-new lineup of awe-inspiring guests this season. They're the powerhouses in the realms of mindset, health, and spirituality. And they're all set to equip you with potent tips and tools. We're talking about crafting unyielding confidence, honing laser-focused clarity, and infusing your life with exhilarating energy. This season, our mission is to ignite your creative potential to even greater heights, helping you to manifest the life of your dreams, all while living vibrantly alcohol-free. So buckle up as we journey deeper into the realm of self-discovery, awakening the inner magnificence that's ready to burst forth. Season 2 of Shine Within is about to take you to new horizons. Get ready to experience your true power and unleash your brilliance. Hello, lovely listeners. I'm so thrilled you're tuning in today and gaining insights from our podcast. If this episode resonates with you, I invite you to delve deeper by checking out the show notes. You'll find enriching details about today's discussion and an exclusive opportunity to join our free Facebook group, Awaken Souls. Awaken Souls is a sanctuary for women on a path towards sobriety, whether you're just curious or already on this transformative journey. It's a place of solidarity and understanding where you can forge connections with women who share your commitment to an alcohol-free life. Inside, you'll find specially crafted free resources that are designed to empower and support you every step of the way. And if you are enjoying the podcast, I'd be incredibly grateful if you could leave a rating. Your feedback is invaluable, helping me to bring more of the content that touches and inspires you. Together, we're building momentum on this journey towards wellness. Remember, you are not alone. I am here with you, supporting you at every turn. Today, we're thrilled to have Pat Wetzel, the author of Bump in the Road, 15 Stories of Courage, Hope, and Resilience as our special guest. Pat's incredible journey from facing life-altering challenges to soaring new heights in the world of motorless airplanes is nothing short of inspirational. Join us as we explore the power of overcoming setbacks and how they can lead to profound professional and spiritual growth. Prepare to be inspired and uplifted by the stories of triumph over adversity. Let's dive into this transformative conversation with Pat Wetzel. Thank you so much, Pat, for joining me today on my podcast show. Well, thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Yes. And uh, we were just discussing about our bumps that we have in our lives and they're called <laughs> Bumps in the Road. And I'm so excited about your book. And so can you just share with us the inspiration behind Bump in the Road and what you hope readers will take away from it? Yeah, the, the book actually came about somewhat organically. I didn't plan to write a book per se. But I was about a year, a year and a half into the podcast. I'm going into my fourth year now. And I realized there was so much wisdom in the stories of my guests. 
And I had a unique perspective. I have a 30,000 foot view. I listen, you know, I've, I'm involved in every single episode and every single podcast. So I hear all these stories and I hear the common threads of wisdom that start to emerge. And they just blew me away, quite honestly. And they had to be shared. So the first book has 15 stories in it. I include a few stories of my own just to introduce the reader to me. Um, and they're all along a common theme, whether it's um, courage or resilience or awareness or whatever it might be. And um, the book started off actually twice its size, and I had to cut it in half, but there'll be there, this will be the first of a series. I think the next book is going to be Bump in the Road, Strong Women. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yes. I love always books of encouragement because in a period in my life, well, I've experienced many bumps in the road. I don't know. Nicole, that's pretty much going <laughs> off the, the road <laughs> completely. Um, but I've experienced so much in my life and it's so nice to have books and podcasts that help and encourage people to say, hey, you know what? We all go through this, but it's how we respond to it that creates difference in our lives. Uh, I wanted to ask you, what personal experiences led you to explore the theme of overcoming life challenges as featured in your own book? Oh, I've had many life experiences that were bumps in the road. Um, perhaps one, one very large one, which took a very interesting path, was um, in my 20s, I was diagnosed with myasthenia gravis, which is a very rare neurologic disease that causes muscle weakness. So you have trouble with vision, swallowing, breathing, moving. I mean, it's really a pretty terrifying um, situation. And I went through that, um, went through that, went through a divorce some a few years later. And going through the divorce was very difficult for me. I lost everything I loved and cared for. So I kind of described that part of my life as life wish, death wish. I didn't want to die, but I wanted to live. And through a series of random events, I stumbled into this sport called soaring. And they're motorless airplanes. And as you get into the sport and into higher performing planes, you're talking about beautiful 15 to 20 meter wingspan planes that can go, cruise hundreds of miles with no engine. Wow. It's just, an, it's an incredible sport and so beautiful, as you can imagine. And I bring that up because I went from the depths of despair, life could not have been much worse, quite frankly, to stumbling into the sport that was full of just awe and beauty and also ability. As you start, as you fly, as you amass hours, as you go into different aircraft, you develop a great deal of confidence. And that is what I really needed at that point in time. Now, none of this happened overnight and none of this was easy, but I think it's um, an interesting bump because it really says you can come back from just about anything. And the metaphor of soaring is just so remarkable. So I, I like to share that with people to give them hope because when you're in the middle of a bump of a difficult situation, you don't know what's happening. You're upset, you're scared, you're fearful. You don't know what the future holds. You feel like there is no future. Everything's closing in on you. And unfortunately, that is how we experience these bumps. And you just have to have the faith of moving one foot in front of the other, even when you feel like you cannot do it. Just that energy of putting one foot in front of the other will make a difference. And it can take you very amazing places. 
Absolutely. Now you actually have a 15 powerful stories in your book. And now how did you choose which ones to include? Were there any like uh, criteria or that had these uh, that had to be met to be featured inside your book? <laughs> it was impossible to choose. I mean, they're all every story is great in its own way. Um, I had the, the book was twice as long, so I had to chop half the book. That was one of the criteria. <laughs> was like, <laughs> but um, I tried to look for stories that were very different, and told by very different people, and that focused on different themes. Um, for example, um, oh, themes. Courage is a theme. Resilience is certainly a theme. Hope is a theme. Uh, faith is a, a, a theme, and I'm not talking about religious faith necessarily, but faith in just yourself and something greater, whatever that may be for you. So all those themes, I think, are interwoven throughout the book, but some people just really moved me. Um, Mary Neal is one. Uh, Mary is a spine, was a spine surgeon. She's retired now. Um, and she and her husband were kayaking in Chile on the Fue River. She got caught under a waterfall and had a near-death experience. And it was, it's a remarkable story. A lot of the stories on the website, but she's written several books. She's been in Netflix films and things. Um, the story is remarkable, but what's so remarkable about it, and one of the key lessons I think in the story is she went from being a very, if I if I touch it, it exists science, scientist, but the experience she had did not fit into that paradigm. And she spent over a year trying to convince herself that her experience was real. And she ultimately had to say that it was. And the four words I think that came out of her podcast that really just blew me away were from hope to trust. What a paradigm shift in terms of how you see the world. It's like moving from fear to love. It's a huge shift. So uh, that is the story that always stays with, they all stay with me. Um, Eric Weinmayer, I always talk about him because he's one of the most inspiring people I've ever met. Eric went blind when he was 16. And as you can imagine, he went through years of isolation, anger. Um, he, he, it was just a, an enormously difficult experience to have. But Eric blind went on to climb Everest, the seven summits, and to kayak down the Colorado River Rapids. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's just extraordinary. And I, in talking to him, and this story appears in one of his books as well, he talks about dividing the world into three groups. And these groups are fluid. We all have been in each of them and we all can move through them. The first group are quitters. And that's kind of self-evident. They just are not gonna put that one foot in front of the other. The middle group is campers. And campers want the status quo. They don't want change. And in de defense of campers, they may be so beaten up by the world that they're not willing to put their head outside that foxhole anymore. And then very few people are climbers. I love that story because I'm fascinated by what it takes to go from being a camper to a climber. And I think we all have it within us to do that. We do, yes. And you can... Human beings are incredible. I always feel like it's like it's so powerful that they've been in the dark, but yet are able to still come out of it and get into light. I think that's very powerful. 
um, even for my own experience going through alcoholism, near-death experiences, suicides, bad relationships, you can go on the list, the list goes on, <laughs> but just coming out of it though, like, it's just like, how did I do that? You know, and it is a matter of just trusting and trusting yourself, your spirit as well. And stop uh, looking at all the news and all the negative t- negativity that's oh, out there. I totally agree. I don't have. I haven't watched TV for over a decade. I mean, I get lots of news. I'm online, um, but I'm selective about it, right. and I refuse to listen to this mantra of doom and gloom and fear that is just everywhere. It's it's not good for you. What you put into your brain and into your soul really matters, and I think you need to be selective about it. I agree, one hundred percent. Now, in your book, you discuss how setbacks can be transformative. And can you actually elaborate a little bit on how challenges and bumps lead to personal and spiritual growth? They do lead to growth if you're willing to go to go through them. If you want to ignore a bump, um, a good an example is um, in the cancer community. A lot of people go through this, what I would think would be a life-changing experience, cancer. You know, you're facing your own mortality. But many people just want to go back to life the way it was before. They don't want anything to change. But I think that you do change as a result of an experience like that. And to deny the change is to deny yourself the growth that can go with it. But the growth is frightening because it may change relationships, it may change your view of the world, it may change your your belief or value system. So it's, it's, that can be fairly terrifying. Um, I think I lost. Wait, I lost the question now. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. No problem. I, this is more like discussion question, whichever way you want to take it. That's totally fine. It was just about uh, setbacks. Oh, setbacks. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I think the key. I think the key to setbacks is to ask yourself, "What can I learn?" I, I personally, for me, that's a daily mantra. What can I learn? And it's always, ultimately, what can I learn about myself? What can I learn about how I reacted? What can I learn about how I might prefer to react or choose to react? What did I learn about what I will or will not accept? And I think that when you start looking at these situations as a learning opportunity, it really changes things around. Yes, it does. Now, you also mentioned the importance of seeking authenticity. How do you define authenticity and why is it so vital for overcoming life's challenges? Authenticity is a tough one, actually, uh, because, you know, we, we grow up and we live in a fairly linear materialistic world. Mm-hmm. You go to school, you get married, you buy the house, what, whatever the sequence of, of things is. And that may or may not suit you and it may or may not suit you over time. But to find what's more authentic for you, you have to start strip away all these belief systems that are part of the way you view the world. And they come and they're not badly intended or anything, but they can come from our families, from our institutions, from our jobs, from our friends, um, from all these external evaluators. But the key to authenticity is being willing to step outside the box ignore those quote unquote rules and really take the time to go within and ask what resonates with you. And it may take, this takes effort and it takes time and it takes self-reflection because we all have habits. We all are used to doing things certain ways. Are they in our best interest? And are they in our best interest over time? 
I, I know one person who grew up in an alcoholic family and her way of her way of dealing with it was to get really involved with school and to excel. And she did. And it was a, it was a smart strategy at the time. It makes total sense. Fast forward 40 or 50 years, that strategy may not make as much sense because it's totally externally oriented. It doesn't allow for self-reflection. It doesn't allow for quiet. And most importantly, it doesn't allow for listening to others. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So I, I think that we we all have throughout our lives have to stop and reevaluate just what we're doing. Is this really working? Do I need to tweak it? And chances are we we do need to tweak our, our habits and the things we do because that's just reality. Everything is in constant constant state of flux and change. And we need to be too to navigate these bumps a little bit more adeptly. Because if we let change get to the point where it has to be catastrophic, that one's tough. That one's a lot harder to navigate. Yes, it's true. And uh, we were just talking about ways that we can actually tap into our inner self because the, the journey inward is definitely more important than the journey outward. And we were talking about meditation and I have discovered meditation. I mean, I've always heard of it, of course. <laughs> I know many people who've done it and I, when I've tried it in the past, it just didn't work. Well, why is because I wasn't fully in my body, let's just say. I was mostly seeking outward things and my mind was just a mess, like the cray cray mind. <laughs> and it was going through so much. But once I started, well, first off, I was sober minded. And then once I started really meditating, staying quiet and just listening to the good inner voice that loves it, that loves you. Um, I really started noticing a difference when it comes to meditation. What are your thoughts about meditation and how it can actually help individuals? You know, meditation for me has been a total game changer. And I think it has several elements to it. Um, one is discipline. It sense a habit and a practice. There's a terrific book called Eight Minute Meditation. It's available on Amazon. Um, and the author takes you through a different type of meditation every week. And he asks you for eight minutes. And the reason I think that's brilliant is not only is he introducing you to different ways to meditate, because there are hundreds of different ways to meditate, but he's building a habit. So hopefully this ha once this habit is established, you will have found something that resonates with you in terms of starting a meditation practice. I think the second part of meditation is um, awareness. It's, it's a pathway to peace and it allows you to actually remove the distractions in your life, which disciplines your mind, which is a wonderful thing. And you become slowly, you become more aware. And one of the things you become aware of are your thoughts. Now, if you can observe your thoughts and not buy into them, not believe them, not go with them, just observe them, that is a game changer right there because all of a sudden you can choose, is this a thought I want? Or is it not a thought I want? Where does this thought come from? Or I can just stay in stillness. So I think that's really a, a, a large piece. It, really, it leads into reflection. And the other, the thing that is really game-changing about meditation is it's experiential. And let me explain this. Think about, let's, let me compare it to chocolate. That's something everybody gets. Um, you know, there are a million different types of chocolate, dark chocolate, light chocolate, white chocolate, with nuts, without nuts, coconut, whatever. You could read about chocolate all day long, but 
you wouldn't understand it. You wouldn't get it. But if you were to taste chocolate, whole new experience, right? Mm -hmm. So it's experiential. The understanding of chocolate is in the experience. And I would say the same thing holds for meditation because you have, I'll speak for myself. I have a, a, uh, an experience of quiet and peace that is deep and endless and transcendent. Once you have that experience again and again and again, you're rewiring uh, neurologically for one thing, but also you now can carry that experience with you. So the experiential nature of meditation can really change the way you, you view the world. Um, road rage, a thing of the past, you know, being impatient in the grocery line. You have that stillness to draw upon. And I think that is infinitely valuable. Oh, absolutely. And a lot of people always want to know, like, how do I find my purpose? And a lot of it comes in a meditation. Well, for me, at least, mm -hmm. you know, I always discover, like, what should I be doing next? What should I be doing next? And it comes to you. <laughs> it's very nice. But what advice do you actually have for readers who are struggling to find purpose and meaning in their lives, especially after facing like a significant setback? Purpose can be really hard. I think the first part of finding purpose, or at least one part of finding purpose, um, really is to be still. And when you're still, you can listen to yourself. You can hear yourself. You can, you can react to what's really true for you because your purpose has to, for it to be lasting and meaningful. I think it has to align with your soul, if you will. And that alignment may not be instantaneous. It can take some starts and stops, some practice, but I think seeking, um, that type of meaning can only be found by going within. Our society is so oriented towards the external and what I call the bubble du jour, you know, chasing the next shiny thing. Yeah. None of that gives us satisfaction. We find satisfaction and happiness in those quiet, small moments. And in, I think, building uh, a persona uh, in a life that is very true to us. And that is something it's a step-by-step -step process and I think that as you go down that path towards authenticity, when you get off the path, you know it. And you may not know exactly why. I mean, these things are sometimes hard to grasp, but you know you have to just move a little bit in another direction. And I think in that regard, it's an ongoing process as it is, as is the process of kind of unraveling these personas we have built in the world in order to function to some degree in the world. You know, to be the achiever at school, to be the star at the office, to be the marathon winner, whatever, whatever it might be. Um, those things are all good and great, but I think that you need to find something deeper uh, to really carry you through. Yes. And going back to authenticity, I was very shy to share my story. I was very like, I felt ashamed of myself, so I didn't want to share my story. But I noticed as I was sharing my story to others, it resonated with other people more so than I thought it would. <laughs> and then, you know, people were like thanking me for my story. I'm like, really? And, um, so it's, it is very important to start being your true self and sharing, you know, those bumps that we do have in our life, you know, and just helping somebody. Now, going to storytelling, because I always like to share my story. What tips do you have for people who actually do want to release and rewrite and rebuild the stories they tell themselves? You know, I think it's really important. 
Um, one of the things that I do, and I find this really useful, is I go back to an event or a period of time. And I make myself sit down and write about it from several perspectives. I could write about it from a sense of anger, injustice, love, learning. And as you start looking at an event from different perspectives, you realize there's no black and white. Most things are you know, shades of gray in one way or the other. You can tell the story a million different ways. What do you choose to tell? It is truly up to you. And I think that as time goes on, you may rewrite the story numerous times. And hopefully as you do that, you're continually rewriting it in a way that benefits you. Yes. And gratitude plays a big role too. Like I'm grateful for everything that I have experienced in my past because it wouldn't have built the character and who I am today. And in your book, you have a chapter called Gratitude. It's it's in my genes and it suggests mm -hmm. a strong link between gratitude and overcoming challenges. Can you actually expand a little bit more on, on this idea? Well, I love the idea of gratitude. I personally have a gratitude practice. Uh, every morning I wait, I uh, find five things to be grateful for, and then I meditate. So that's how I start every day. That particular chapter is one of my favorites. Um, Effie Parks was a, a young mom, and you know she's pregnant and she's excited and happy and has all these visions of the perfect child, right? The perfect childhood. He'll grow up to be an astronaut or something. Um, but her child was born with some really serious genetic defects, which changed everything. And Effie at first was upset, self-blaming. You, you can imagine like, uh, and this is a child that requires 24 seven care, really. She was isolated. It was just a really difficult place to be. But when she turned her perspective from one of why is this happening to me to one of real love and gratitude for this wonderful child that has come into her life, her whole world changed. And I love that story because that shift into love and that shift into gratitude, which is something everybody can do, will change your story and it will change your experience. Yes. And your your book also mentions that we only see 0.004% of the universe. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. David McKinley. <laughs> yeah. And how does this concept relate to the way we handle life's challenges? Well, you know, there's um, in uh, Anita... David's in the book because he had a near-death experience, and he's talked about it a fair amount in recent years. It took him about 10 years to be able to talk about it, actually. Um, and in his book, or in our conversations, perhaps, we've talked numerous times. One of the things that we talk about is uh, in Anita Murjani's book, uh, Dying to Be Me, she talks about her near-death experience and how limited our perspective is on our world, how limited our information is. And she likens it to a flashlight in a big, black, dark warehouse. That's how little we see. And, and David came away from his NDE with the same sense of we see so little. So just think about um, how our dogs or cats might sense the world versus us, how we don't see different forms of energy, microwave energy. We don't see that. It's a huge, vast world out there. And I think that that's something for us all to consider in terms of some humility and also some creativity and wonder. It's a big, wonderful world. If you choose to look at it that way, what do you want to see? So I, I, I love that comment from David because it reminds us that our experiences 
are so are in some ways so small and that there is a great wonderful world be open be open to the possibility yes it's limitless <laughs> now um these are for the skeptics Kay. i'm not a skeptic at all but okay. i know some listeners may be <laughs> what, what would you say to someone skeptical about the idea of setbacks that that it can lead to growth and transformation well, what are your options? Are you going to be a camper or a quitter? Or a climber? <laughs> no, I mean, and uh, you know, the setbacks can be all sorts of different things. Um, I interviewed um, one woman. Um, hold on, I'm going to space out on her name. But anyway, she went to the Air Force Academy and um, she didn't get, she applied and everything. She did not get in. She, any rational person would have said, okay, I'm not getting in. And they go on with some other college plans. She did not. She, every week she wrote, she got somebody else to write. She politely pestered the admissions office to the point where all of a sudden something opened up and she got in and she went on to become an A-10 pilot. Mm -hmm. So that persistence and that uh, willingness not to accept no for an answer I think is a really important part of navigating any bump that these bumps sometimes aren't even that big, but getting through them can change the course of our life. Killer chick Campbell. That's it. Killer chick. Casey, Casey Campbell. Forgive me, Casey. I, I just spaced out there. Killer <laughs> chick, killer chick, Casey are, are her call letters. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> now, since the release of Bump in the Road, has uh, what has been the most impactful or surprising feedback you've received from readers? You know what really blew me away? Um, and this was actually part of the publication process. Um, I had I didn't have to, but I wanted some endorsements for the book. And I found I was terrified to ask for endorsements. I mean, it was like this big, cold, hard rock that came down in my path. Boom. Total terror, <laughs> which is stupid. But I, that's how, it was really it was really remarkable. And when I sat down and I really looked at that sense of, of fear, I realized that it was a, a sense of um, fear that came out of a million little life experiences where you're criticized or you're not accepted or whatever or you're rejected. And I realized I just had to get through this. When I realized it was rejection I was dealing with, at least I began to understand it. And I'd love to tell, I'll tell you a story in a minute, if you'd like, about how I yeah. worked through that, because it's actually kind of interesting. Okay. But um, I got through it, sucked it, sucked it up, right? Mm -hmm. um, wrote out, you know, the emails, and I got endorsements back. And at first, I couldn't even read them. I was like, oh, my gosh, I guess can't even look. And then after a few days, I went back and every now and then I still go back and I'm just blown away by the kindness of what people have written. It just, it, it's amazing. And I think that is something that is, that's really meaningful for me that has come out of the book. And the, the way I dealt with that, it was an interesting experience. It was definitely a little, little bit of a bump. Um, but I had interviewed Jill Bolta-Taylor who is, uh, was a Harvard brain researcher. And she did a TED talk called My Stroke of Insight and wrote a book by the, sim the same name. Her recent book, Whole Brain Living had come out and it's amazing. Now I'm gonna poorly paraphrase all the science in this, okay? You really need to read the book, but 
she looks at the um, brain um, in terms of four different areas. The left frontal cortex is the part of you that's really um, in charge, gets things done. And she names the different parts of her brains. I call that part of my brain star. She's a star, you know, she, she deadline, no problem. Whatever it is, she gets it done. The right left, the left back part of your brain is the part of you that wants to keep you safe and it restores all your history and everything that's ever happened to you. It's past oriented, but its goal is to keep you safe. Um, I call it the neurotic part of your brain and I call mine dark star. <laughs> <laughs> so on the right side, then we have on the right rear um, side of the brain, we have the part of you that is a perpetual four-year-old who loves ice cream and would take six flavors of ice cream out of the freezer, have a spoonful of each and leave them on the counter to melt and just not care. That part, my two-year-old or four-year-old part of the brain, I call her joy. She's just fun to be with. I like to hang with her. And then the right front part of your brain is that more spiritual, expansive, connected part. And the idea behind the book, Whole Brain Living, is to have all these pieces um, talk to each other, coordinate, and use their strengths in a way that benefits your decision making. So with that back, with that perspective, I realized that it was my dark star, the neurotic part of my brain, that was just having a total meltdown. And I had Joy, my fun, my fun four-year-old, sit down and just listen. And this I found this technique fascinating because what happened was all the rejection I think I'd ever experienced, there's so much of it just poured out. It was astonishing the things that came out. And as that was released and as Joy listened with empathy, everything calmed down and that block disappeared. And I found that so interesting. So from the book, in the process of putting this together, that was a really interesting experience for me on many levels and um, a, a learning experience and a very rewarding one in terms of uh, moving ahead, facing fear, and also looking at your fear and asking how real it is. Right. Yes. And we're probably, and most of us come out of that fear by actually taking action on that fear. And then it no longer is a fear. Like, why was I scared of that? Like, for me, it was yeah. like a roller coaster, right? When I was young, I was fearful of roller coasters. Have I ever been on one before when I was to say that I was fearful of? No, I just saw it and I was scared. But it wasn't until I decided to go onto a roller coaster that I'm like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> so I love roller coasters. <laughs> I know. I know. Isn't it funny how we have these fears mostly that are imagined? Yes. And on the other side lies something really interesting and cool. Yes. And it's because of the conditioning. You know, people will say, oh, you know, you should be scared of that. Or, oh, that's too high. I hope you're going to be strapped on. Or did you hear that story where they were stuck up there for half? You know, like... <laughs> Just tune that out. Just listen to yourself and just, you know, just try things that are new <laughs> and fun. Yeah, and enjoy it. And, and I mean, there's it. so many cool, neat, interesting things to try. Whatever interests you, I would say pursue it. And if you decide you don't like it, cool, get rid of it. But you might find some a, a new hobby or a new passion. Yeah, I definitely did in 2020 because we didn't have much to do besides stay at home. So I was reading, I was researching, but I love cooking. <laughs> I enjoy cooking now way more than I used to. And now I love, and now it's really good. Apparently my husband says so. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's creative. Yeah, uh, and it gets you out of a rut. I mean, yeah. it, it, 
cooking is, I, I think cooking is part of our, well, I shouldn't say that. I know some people don't feel this way, but for me, it's part of my, I think it's in my DNA. It's part of my soul. Yeah. I can't help myself. And it's fun. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is fun. Now, where can everyone find your wonderful book and uh, what can viewers expect, viewers and listeners expect on your website? Well, the best place to start is the website, bumpintheroad.us. Um, there's a link to the book, which is on Amazon, right on the website. You can look at all the different stories over four years of podcasting. Um, there's a lot of information there. It's a perfect place to start. The podcast is available on all major podcast platforms and on YouTube. So listen wherever it suits you. Um, and I, I hope people... I hope people enjoy the stories and connect because the point of these stories is you're not alone. We all go through the same things, but with different circumstances. And we have so much to learn from each other. Absolutely. And uh, lastly, for listeners who are currently facing a bump in the road, what practical steps can they take right now to start their journey towards healing and empowerment? I'm tempted to say read the book, but yeah, <laughs> I, I think I think step one is to look within, and no matter how hard it is or wherever you may be, have the courage, and it may be very very hard, but have the courage to take that first step, and take another step, and when you introduce energy into your life, things will start to move and change. Yes. And of course, go on to her podcast, go on to the website and then go ahead and purchase her book. <laughs> thank you very much. Yes. Thank you so much, Pat. It's been such a wonderful conversation. I really appreciate you on my show today. Thank you. To my cherished listeners from the very depths of my heart, Thank you. Every single one of you who've showered me with those warm five-star reviews, your kindness shines so brightly. And if you haven't yet, know that your voice and support always matter. Your unwavering love has lifted us onto Feedspot's esteemed list of best women's sobriety podcasts. And it truly warms my heart. With immense love and care, I've created something for you as well. Introducing the Overcoming Challenges mini course, crafted especially with the intention to guide and support you through life's varied phases, because we all deserve gentle guidance as we navigate life's tides. Furthermore, I have two heartfelt gifts for our listener family. One is a seven-day challenge, a tender beginning for those curious about sobriety, and the other, a personal sharing from my journey, six-step blueprint to an alcohol-free life. This encapsulates the loving steps I took, I embraced beyond AA and the traditional 12 steps that have nurtured my own sobriety journey. To embrace these tokens of gratitude and love, simply text GIFT, that's G-I-F-T, to 1-855-649-6196. Again, that's G-I-F-T at 1-855-649-6196. With all my love and deepest gratitude, I cherish each and every one of you.